Hey everyone, welcome to episode 107 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Sean Morris, the CEO at Privia Health. Without further ado, let's bring him on. Thank you so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Jared. Always happy to, uh, to do these things and uh, good to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. I'm excited for us to have the opportunity to talk and the audience to learn more about you as well as Privia. I think we should dive right into it. If you could tell the audience a little bit about your background, kind of how you got to where you are today, and then we can talk more about Privia. Yeah, sounds great. Um, Sean Moore, CEO of Privia Health. And um, it's funny you asked that because I had a, one of my employees um, our teammates at Privia, I said, how did you get into healthcare? And I said, actually, it's kind of by accident. I'm a CPA by trade long, long, long time ago, decades ago. But um, all my clients ended up being physicians and, and kind of working with them very closely. So I've always been in the, in the physician world or physician space and kind of working with, you know, throughout my career. And I was a CFO after that of, a, of a, what we call the you know, capitated medical group that took just you know, capitated patients in the commercial. And we got into what back then was called Medicare risk and then moved from there into kind of building independent physician associations all over the country, working very closely with those organizations and how to kind of move from, you know, kind of traditional kind of what we call fee-for-service into risk-based contracts in the same in commercial and Medicare. And that was kind of in the 90s and then really in the early 2000s, when we built a, a Medicare Advantage Fund, HealthSpring, we, from you know, raising you know, private equity to taking it public, we ran it as a public organization, and oh, I held normal, just numerous positions there, and we actually ended up selling that organization to Cigna today, and um, stayed with Cigna about six years, and I'm glad you asked me to kind of go through some of that, because it really relates to what I'm um, kind of doing today in those last few years at Cigna, really noticed the consolidation of healthcare, as we all know through the years, what's occurred with physicians specifically moving into health systems or going to work for organizations such as Optum or, or others. There, there's, a, there's really, a, I think, a lack of national physician organizations that can scale, move through the country, be partners with you know, um, like-minded payers and the federal government in order to kind of move markets or what we talk about moving market from traditional reimbursement to be paid on a kind of an outcome basis and then you know kind of moving that market into a more of a value-based arrangement and enabling you know kind of that lower healthcare cost you know high quality and a really differentiated patient experience and you know and I through the years have kind of you know like I said that last couple I said you know that there's there really needs to be an organization that can scale and at the same time kind of help physicians kind of with the challenges they face today and be a partner. And, and for those that want to remain independent, help them do so and give them that autonomy and work with organizations that are employing physicians in order to do the same. And that's, um, that's kind of my background and really what kind of gets us up and gets us going at Privy every day. Thank you for that, that intro. Really means a lot. Uh, I'd love to, if it's okay with you, quickly highlight. You, you said, you know, whether someone wants to stay independent or be part of a group. Can can you kind of give us a quick snapshot of, I guess, the benefits of each? Like why, in some situations, it's good to be independent, and why it's good to be part of a group. I, I don't think that's ever something we really ever covered here yeah. on the podcast. No, I think it's a personal choice. I mean, and I think it's a choice made at 
and it's going to change through a physician's career. So think about eating what you can, and this is, you know, Sean's theory, but I, it's, it's theory that's been kind of, I guess, you know, kind of educated throughout years of literally meeting, gosh, thousands and thousands of physicians along the way. And, it, you know, you take a young physician, it may be a few years out of school and training, and they may be raising a family themselves and, you know, buying a home and, you know, just the struggles that, you know, everybody has when they're getting started kind of as that career. So they, they, today we're seeing more of those physicians, even back with, you know, back in the day, they, they're maybe buying their way into a group, a medical group was the traditional way to go do that. And it was almost like becoming a law, a partner in a law firm. You, you spent some time, you kind of bought your way in, however that medical group decided to do that. And you became a shareholder partner in the group. Now that's obviously the last few years, decade or so that occurs where more physicians are going into employment at health systems or within that medical group and maybe not overly interested in becoming that shareholder. So I think it's a matter of personal choice. Um, there still is about 80% of our physicians have chosen to be independent. And we have a model that allows them that autonomy of, and if you think about it, it's running a, a small group. One of the challenges of being a doc today is, is just running, being able to have the talent, technology, and people to run a successful business. And if you're a, a solo doc or a, a doc that's part of a 500 you know, physician organization, you know, health system or independent large group, I mean, you're still running a small you know, company or a small practice or a small business in the grand scheme of things. They need, they need people around. But really, I think it's, you know, like I said, personal choice. And then what, you know, I think that's the reason Caribbean is growing so much. Just the, the need for a partner that understands that, that knows physicians, that can help with, um, you know, kind of the, the revenue in, revenue out, and being paid last as that independent doc, which is, you know, truly that to the to our organization that's shifting to value and how that comp model should change for an employed doctor as the organization overall, a health system or a big medical group is, is struggling with a comp plan of how much of it should be kind of RVU based or driven around the fee-for-service system that we all know is out there and very prevalent today. And it's going to be for some time still. Nothing's going away overnight. It hadn't gone away the last 30 years, but it's every, you know, every year there's a little more, more pressure to determine. So it's aligning those incentives for that group or system to do well in a changing reimbursement stream and value. That's really, we kind of focus and bring the you know, the technology component to that, we believe if you're going to do that at scale across the country or you're going to do that at scale in your state as a medical group, you need, you know, technology, you need talent and you need somebody that understands focus and so forth. So I think it's, like I said, mostly personal choice and where they happen to be in their career. Yeah, honestly, one of the biggest complaints I hear from physicians a lot of the time is it, it can be a lot having to, you know, actively see their patients and, and handle with the business side of things. And many get to a point where they really understand the business side of things. And then uh, it, it's just it's too much sometimes to do everything in a, in a solo practice. Um, so, you know, it makes a lot yeah, of sense. 100 percent agree. I think oh, I think about 75 percent of our physicians are in practices of less than five. So, I mean, think about just what's coming at them every single day from, you know, uh, uh, having access to portals and communication with patients. Patients want to be met where they want to be met now. They can get on Amazon and their grocery packages in two hours, but up to a year ago, they couldn't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, couldn't talk to their doctor or a nurse or a care provider virtually 
you know, and you know now that's wildly changing. And but they really, I mean, uh, the consumerism of healthcare, I think, is going to change, and it's changing beneath our feet as we see it. And before a, a physician, I think I've been in this business so long, and count a lot of friends, my and, and colleagues as physicians, and just the the things coming at them so fast, and just you know, that, most of them went into healthcare to take care of people. You know, they're the and they didn't go into healthcare to be a you know, a policy expert or the business aspects of healthcare. Now they need to have somebody that can help them that and teach them those things. But I mean, just to, to be a practicing physician is it, it, healthcare is one of the most complex industries, especially in the U S and boy, I mean, just, they just need partners that they can trust and kind of build a you know, a strategic plan with them. And really, I think focus on them as their customer, of which we are really proud to do at Privia. We physicians and their, providers and care team members are our customer. Well, one of the most talked about issues now, and I feel like it's definitely talked about now more than it was years ago, was like physician burnout, right? Mm -hmm. And not having a partner like like Privia, it, it doesn't help that burnout, right? It just continues to add to it. Yeah, I, gosh, I, we, we actually, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of, I mentioned that kind of the, the triple aim that everybody talks about lower cost higher quality patient differentiation I mean that you know you need technology and all those we and i mentioned it right in the onset because we, we we live it and breathe it every day through operational excellence so through these relationships you're never going to achieve those three outcomes we believe and i i, I really passionately believe this unless the well-being of the doctor the provider in the care team that they surround themselves with if that if the well-being is not improving over time, and we all know it's been, you know, not improving, and that's where we get this burnout factor. And, and I think they look at it three different ways. And it's always a combo, again, depending on the personal aspects of where they are in their career and what they're trying to accomplish at that given time. It's an, um, there's an emotional piece, there's a physical piece, and there's a financial piece. And everybody has their net sum that they're trying to build towards. But at the end of the day, we want to, we try our best to measure that. We do it through NPS. We do that through how they're doing financially. And I mean, we're proud. We have an NPS score as a company with our, with our provider partners of 54. And if you know a lot about NPS, that's pretty good. I think some of the best companies out there are in the 70s. But we think, you know, that we have just a long ways to go. And kind of that average primary care doctor out there, I've seen it as low as 3 to 15. And gosh, that is just a, to me, that, you know, it's just, that's a tough slog when you're, if you're just that unhappy. And I think it gets back to really a movement for trying to remove burden, get some of these business things off their plate, being focused on them as a customer and allowing them the most time they can to see patients. And, you know, and, but, you know, we always have to be communicating with them and let them know where they are and providing them that, you know, that cutting edge technology, you know, differentiated experience for their patients and getting them into arrangements financially that they can do well. What are, can you talk us through, I guess, if a, if a practice wants to, if a physician wants to partner with you, what does that process typically look like? Yeah, we, um, it's interesting. We, we, we go into a state we, and we, like a lot of these organizations are our peers. You hear them talk about we're moving into Phoenix or Indianapolis or just name the MSA. We're, we, we look at it, we, we kind of, we have a, what we call internally a land and expand strategy. So we find an anchor group in a state or a region that becomes that anchor. 
And we really, it depends on vision and growth towards value-based, where they want to take the group. And then we start recruiting positions around that. It's we're primary care centric. So we always want it to be primary care. We look at, you know, of course, internal medicine and family practice and pediatrics, we layer in there. And we also look at OB. We think women's health and OBGYN, there's a, we think it's, you know, so if you think about trying to build the medical group of the future, you know, largest medical group in the country, if that's our, if that's your vision, and that's, we do, we, that's where we want to go, I mean, is, you know, somebody that's, you know, before they're even born, they're a privy a patient, a doctor to a, it's a, you know, they're a patient to a doctor that's a privy a physician, they, you know, they can be a pediatric, pediatric, they can go through young adulthood, they go all the way into adulthood with those practices that want to join, so we do an ROI, a very financial driven ROI, at least, Patients that are joining—I mean, I'm sorry—the providers that are joining the um, the the medical group—and we literally show how financially how they'll do. But we also kind of get into the vision: is this your vision? That it's about a three-year arrangement with those providers that are joining, and of course, we assign a person to their group. I think I'm a, in, in the as an account manager, we call them a performance consultant. They build a five-year plan with that group. You know, do they want to attract? new providers, how to do that. We have an internal recruiting mechanism to do that. Do they want to attract other types of patients more into these value-based arrangements? And we begin to, you know, you don't measure it, you don't do it. And we really set a strategic plan into action over that period of time. And we, you know, see how they're doing and we're doing. And we're aligning, obviously, how we do to how well they did. But it's, it's a recruitment process with a, with a sales team that's on the ground. And we're, we're out talking to them. And interesting enough, it's none of them are quick. It's a relationship build. And a lot of even the positions that it's not the right time to join Privia, a lot of them come back around. Because you know, it's, it's like anything else. There's an early adopter, there's a middle adopter, and then there's people that sit on the sidelines to make sure, because we're no longer a startup. That was really true at first. You know, is this company going to make it? And But now that we've, we've expanded like we have and we're, we're a profitable organization and, and we have, you know, kind of a positive cash flow and, and we're not out there trying to raise capital all the times. So I think it's a, been a really good experience for most. I found it interesting how you just brought up a, a little while ago, the, the woman's health piece. We actually had the opportunity. I know you guys are out in DC for the most part, mm -hmm. right? Like your local headquarters. Yeah, we headquarters. had the opportunity. Yeah. We had the opportunity to speak with Sean Glass at, from Advantia Health uh, a while back on uh, one of the episodes and he was a huge advocate right on the on women's health and you're like uh, he mentioned some statistic it was i'm probably going to butcher this statistic but it was between like 70 and 80 percent maybe even higher of all healthcare decisions were made by like a, a woman in the household and that was why one of their big focuses was hey if if we uh, are able to you know put a focus on on women's health uh we're, we're not just helping you know them at uh from, from the moment they're having a, a child, we're helping them throughout their child's whole uh, life cycle, their family's whole healthcare life cycle. So uh, that, that was an interesting take. Yeah, I've never heard that stab. There is no doubt. I mean, I just take my family. I know my kids are all adults now, but I know, I mean, when I brought, when, when we knew had new benefits, you know, employer, my, my wife was the first to look at them, you know, is my, is her OBGYN on there? Is our, pedi our pediatrics on there? It was my it was last decision if my doctor was on that. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt that women heavily influenced the buying decision of healthcare. But even more importantly, the 
the family kind of um, kind of the whole the caring of healthcare. You know that you know what doc what doctors they're going to are they getting the right care are they and even more importantly, Jared, now the the experience of healthcare. So thinking like in previous, we we've, we've been in a virtual care for three years now. The ability for uh, you know a mother of three to that's unless you think about COVID juggling all these things going on that they can do you know, renewals of prescriptions and all these things by just that with their pediatrician, all, you know, virtually, it's just the, the time saver, not driving across town and especially in an urban area where it may take 45 minutes sitting in an office where there might be some, you know, sick kids or sick people. And it just, I think it's those type things and they're looking for that type of experience. As we wrap up, Sean, I, I'd love if you could list a couple of the things you're most excited for it can be just healthcare in general, but also with Privia, as we as we kind of uh, are moving through 2021 now, what are you most excited about for this year ahead? Yeah, I think it's the balance of um, it's interesting. Um, we we talk a lot about culture at Privia and just how we we're, we we want to attract the talent that's really focused on you know operational excellence around providing you know, the, a different service experience to groups of doctors and how we build that and how we grow into the different markets. So a little bit of that's internal and, you know, just how we manage through this. And we've got employees in 30 states. We, re we really, you know, how you used to think about, Jared, is when years ago, it's like, can you do a, you know, you almost look for reasons why the job couldn't be done remotely. Now we kind of flip that around. And, you know, we, we believed in remote work before because we think you attract a different employee employee that you have your pools larger you know that to really get great talent so that i think just culturally what you know i guess this is not pretty as much related but what's the business world going to look like in one year two years five years i think it's going to change pretty rapidly and then you know just within healthcare generally i think healthcare at home or wherever that person is going to be is the next layer i mean you if you're not doing virtual healthcare now today, you are so far behind. We did 800,000 visits last year. And here we are, we're a medical connect to us. It's a tool to better connect patients to, doc, to you know, who they want to get care from. So I think, and that's not, I think things like remote monitoring and care at home and remote diagnostics, that meeting, we used to call a lot of that meeting the provider where they are on this road to value-based healthcare. Now I think it's, a lot the providers are saying I need to meet my patients where they want to be met to be able to provide them the best care possible can. So I think I think that and then just big changes for us too. We're growing rapidly. And you know, I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, hopefully there's physicians that listen to your to your um, podcast. And if 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 you're if, if this is something you'd be interested in, we'd love to talk to you. I mean there's no state that's off limits. We're we have 2,700 providers that's chosen this model today, and we probably would just we think that you know there's a million doctors out there, and we're you know we're just a little fragment of where we can be, and, and we just um, you know we want to serve physicians, and we want them to kind of be able to provide the best care they possibly can to their patients, and hopefully improve, like I said, their well-being along the way, and be it give them a better experience in, in taking care of people, and we you know, and we. It, a lot of times, can we return the joy of practicing medicine for caregivers and providers? That, you know what, and if, if that's your mission, and you know, if we can do that, you know, for the communities that we're able to serve and the doctors and care providers we're able to serve, you know what, that's a, that's a great way to live your life. 
Absolutely. Well, Sean, thanks again for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Hopefully we can have you on again soon. We're also going to be starting up a, a weekly show where uh, we, we just kind of talk some, about some key issues within healthcare and uh, acquisitions happening in the space. So I'd love to have you on as like a correspondent yeah. or another member of your team as well. No, sure. Great. Great to meet you. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Thanks. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is building the ecosystem of services and solutions to power the future of healthcare. Through their platform, healthcare professionals and organizations can enter, upload, and share core credentialing documents and information. Professionals and organizations then have the opportunity to use that information to order multiple services and solutions like credentialing, state license registration, certifications, payer enrollment, renewals, and more. On average, the Block Health platform saves users 40 to 60% on credentialing and licensing related costs. Organizations can use Block Health as an extension of their team or as their whole licensing and credentialing team. Today, Block Health works with some of the top healthcare organizations. To learn more about Block Health, please visit www.blockhealth.com. That's B L O C H E A L T H.com and follow them on their social channels at Block Health. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, You can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.